Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. I'm filling in today for Betty Jo Tucker, and boy, do we have a great show for you today. We'll be talking with noted film critics Mac Bates and Jeff Roberts to discuss the latest Oscar nominations, as well as to predict winners in these six key categories, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Supporting Actress. I would like to introduce... Jeff Roberts to the audience. Jeff, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, I would really appreciate it. Sure. I'm from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and I have been writing professionally since the age of 14. After uh, interviewing IndyCar driver Scott Goodyear on a whim, after I saw him uh, have the, uh, the almost the uh, fastest finish in the uh, Indy 500 in 1992. Um, I won't say anyone won that, but uh, I saw that those articles about him were all statistics and, and facts like that, not what drove him to do what he did at uh, 230 miles an hour each and every lap. So um, that led to other interviews, and um, probably about 10 years into my career, I had to take a, a different turn and uh, ask when I was ill, and um, a friend asked me uh, what I wanted to do uh, with writing that I had done before, and I said I wanted to be a film critic. So a lead uh, led to uh, realtalkreviews.com, which is uh, Betty Joe's site, and it's been great from there with um, radio appearances and TV appearances across uh, Ontario, Canada, and, and into the U.S. So um, that's me in a nutshell. That's great. We're very, very excited to have you here. And Matt Bates, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, yeah, yeah, gladly. Um, I have been writing film reviews <clears throat> since I was uh, 14, really. I uh, started doing it uh, professionally uh, when I was in college, so uh, that's uh, it's been a while ago. But don't want to age myself too bad. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've uh, been here for a while, and uh, that's where I got my start with uh, film criticism. And it just kind of snowballed. It wasn't something I necessarily pursued. It's just something that kind of happened, and um, I'm glad it did. I've uh, written for uh, Milwaukee Magazine as well as for the Milwaukee Journal and uh, when the morning and uh, afternoon papers merged the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And um, I've, uh, you know, interviewed um, a number of uh, notable figures, uh, actors, filmmakers, writers, producers. And, um, you know, so I've been a guest here on movie, at Movie Addict Headquarters uh, since 2007, I've uh, been, had a number, number of appearances. Yeah, it's, it, it dates back to November of uh, 2007. I made my first appearance, and I'm thrilled to be back and uh, thrilled to be talking about the Oscars with you and Jeff. Well, I'm very excited to have you both here. I will do my best to support you both with, with this conversation about the Oscars. I, want to, I do want to ask you two a really important question, though. Do you love movies? Do you love movies? Oh, yes. Yes, it, it, it dates back to uh, when I was a child. Yeah, I can still remember the 
first movie I went to go see. I was five years old, and I went to go see uh, E.T. in uh, June of uh, 1982, and I can remember like it was yesterday. My parents uh, uh, took me um, to the theater, and, you know, there were people in there, and it had been the first time I'd ever been to a movie theater, and I I can remember um, at that time, like most kids, I was scared. I was uh, frightened of the dark, scared of the dark, and when the house lights went down before the movie started, the boogeyman didn't come out. And I'm like, oh, there's, there's, there's something to this then. Okay. And then, you know, we laughed in the same places, you know, jumped in the same places, cried in the same place. Yeah, it was, it was, it was one of the, uh, one of the uh, formative uh, experiences of my, of my uh, childhood and, and you know, has led me to where I am today. I love that. What about you, Jeff? Do you love movies? Oh, yeah, I'd be in the wrong business if I didn't. <laughs> I, I absolutely <laughs> love movies. I, I spend uh, hours and days and, and weeks in weeks in, in movie theaters watching almost everything I can get, get my hands on that's every great. year. Um, funny you should mention E.T. Um, <laughs> that's one of my first memories, too, that there was a scene in, this, in the movie um, where you, you can see that the alien is not doing very well and you don't know whether or not he's going to make it. And for me, as a kid, that uh, got me bawling. My parents had to take me out of the theater, explain that, no, it gets better. So we had to see it a second time on the same day. (laughs) But I just love how movies have the the power to to get uh, emotion from you as well as to change your perspective. And that, for me, is the reason why I go to the the movies regularly. Yeah, just art in general. It could be movies, which obviously, you know, have uh, impacted us. Um, a music, a theater, art—it's—it's it's, yeah, it's all of it. It's—it's—it's it's, it's pretty uh, pretty amazing how it can uh, kind of tap into uh, people's emotions uh, when they least expect it. Well, what I admire the most about critics like you guys is that I I can tell you that I love or hate a movie. Okay, it's very rare that I'm apathetic about a movie, but I can't articulate why very well. And so I love that you guys can do that. I really appreciate that, and I value that as a per- – I mean, I, I, there are some movie critics that I agree with all the time. There are some that I don't ever agree with. However, <laughs> I, I, it's true. But um, I do like I – like, I mean, I like entertainment, so I love movies. And I really appreciate when you guys can write and articulate why the movie meant a lot to you, because that's what I assume that's what you're writing about, is why mm-hmm. the movie meant a lot to you or why it didn't. And so I always appreciate that. All right, so let's just dive in here. I'm going to go ahead and start. I'm going to do these in order with Jeff. Um, so we'll do. We'll start with the first, with the best picture nominee, and then I'll go to Mac for that, and then we'll just go down the list. Okay. All so right. Jeff, which best picture nominee would you like to see win, and why? Well, as much as I would like to see The Shape of Water uh, win, I just see it uh, as not happening. I see it as being uh, the free billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I mean, it's a complete fluke that free billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, um, which is my pick for best picture, got, even got made in the first place. The director, Martin McDonough, uh, recently told The Independent that he was actually on a bus when something startled him when he peered out the window next to a seat, and it was a billboard from a parent asking what had happened to a murdered uh, loved one. And that bothered him for 12 years, and he wanted to make a, a film about it, and he didn't end up doing it until... 
um, after uh, um, Seven Psychopaths, which was a film that he wrote and directed uh, first, and he uh, had such a hard time on that uh, set and was bitterly disappointed with the, the final product. So he went back and wrote the script um, with one person in mind, uh, being Francis McDormand to play uh, the mother, Mildred. Um, and uh, if it wasn't for her taking it, that uh, film wouldn't have been, been made. But it's an incredible uh, film, and it really um, got me from the uh, from the get-go. And I think that it's the film uh, that's going to win because it's won a number of awards, including the BAFTA recently, which is the London uh, equivalent of the Oscar. So, um, yes, that's my pick. Okay. And do you predict that as the winner? Do you predict that movie yes. as the winner? Yes. Okay. All right. What about you, Mac? Now, this category well, is it's almost kind of like pulling your hair out, trying like, to figure out right. exactly, uh, you know, how it's all going to pan out. Because any of these, and it really in, in uh, any any given year, especially a year, uh, you know, such as this, it could it could really go anyway. But I think you could, I think it's safe to say you pretty, pretty much can eliminate the most obvious picks, like the post. In Darkest Hour, I think I think uh, in Dunkirk, those are probably uh, you know going to come up uh, short. And then you have a series of uh, independent made, independently made films that just came out of nowhere and took everybody by surprise. I think Get Out would uh, certainly qualify as probably the most uh, um, surprising of the nominees, just because when that movie opened up last February, nobody was thinking, oh yeah, this is going to go on to uh, be a huge blockbuster and mm-hmm. be socially relevant. And you know, uh, rack up a, a series of uh, uh, nominations and wins, but you know, it's, it's you know, it just came out of nowhere and just took the whole industry by surprise. Uh, by surprise, rather. Um, I could see that possibly happening, but if I were a member of the Academy, the film that I think uh, resonated the most with me, um, in terms of you know what what I would you know what I would feel comfortable voting for, what I would think would be uh, you know the uh, the best uh, the best of this this particular lot. Um, is a is a film that uh, has you know divided some people, but I, I have to concur with uh, Jeff. I think I think three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, is um, the one to watch here. Get Out has has a, a chance, as does um, as does Lady Bird in, in, in Shape of Water. It's, it's kind of like a a, a a four pony race, and it could go to any of those. But if I had to you know from my, you know pick one for my own personal um uh preference I, i'd have to go with uh three billboards outside ebbing missouri because what martin mcdonough did with that film was pretty pretty extraordinary in in, in and of itself you know uh jeff um you know touched uh based on how it was inspired by uh uh an actual you know a uh, billboard that he saw in his travels and um you know what what the actors it's really an actor showcase and, and a writer showcase to, to, to say the least um, and what and what those actors did with his script, it's just it's 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 you know, it's it's like a masterclass really in in performance and 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 in um, you know crafting crafting a narrative, and I I truly do believe that the momentum at this point is behind that, but I would not rule out uh, Get Out, which again took the you know the zeitgeist by storm, very much like uh, Three Billboards and Lady Bird, you know, considering the Me Too movement. And you know female empowerment and how that film really touches base on that. You could also make that argument for Shape of Water, this uh, this uh, really a B movie. You know the the, the, construct, the uh, construction of it is kind of like you know a classic B film, but uh, Guillermo del Toro is such a fantastic filmmaker that he elevates it and obviously you know with um, um, what it is because of his contribution as a director and, a, and as visionary and 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 certainly uh, Sally Hawkins 
lead performance in that film is, uh, you know, one for the ages. But I, I would have to, yeah, if I if I was voting, I, w- I would have to um, check check uh, check my box next to three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. All right. Well, that was unanimous. <laughs> All right, Jeff. <laughs> that was easy. Okay, Jeff, which director nominee would you like to see win and why? Well, uh, my pick for uh, like to see win is the same as who I feel will win, and that's okay. Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Yes. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that this director will win the Best uh, Director Oscar for the uh, brilliantly crafted The Shape of Water. Now, he's won several awards, including a Golden Globe already, and garnered numerous other nominations for his work here. Um, now, the director historically needs to win the Directors Guild America Award to be able to take home the Academy Award for Best Director, which is something he recently did. And the interesting thing about this film is that he put $100,000 of his own money uh, to stage an elaborate presentation that immersed uh, potential investors and studios into the world that he wanted to create for the film and provided them with a fully operational creature that they could see. And uh, that's what got him the money for for, for the film. And uh, it also fascinates me that he's a guy that used a lot of lighting, colors, and other tricks here to believe that you could uh, see uh, sequences that were filmed in an underwater world when, in fact, they were filmed uh, dry. And that's interesting because he uh, originally wanted this film to be in black and white until he uh, reconceived it in color. I'm glad he did. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. All right, Mac, which director nominee would you like to see win and why? Mm. Again, this is a pretty interesting uh, lineup, I have to admit. Um, you know, a, a history could be made if uh, two of these uh, uh, individuals nominated, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird and Jordan Peele for Get Out, if they were to take it in an upset over Guillermo del Toro, who's clearly the uh, the uh, overwhelming uh, uh, favored to, uh, to actually win based on uh, everything Jeff just said, you know, DGA win, um, and, and additional uh, wins he's uh, had elsewhere. Mm. Yeah, for me, my gut in terms of like who I would vote for, I I would actually love if I if I was a, uh, an Academy member. As much as I love Shape of Water, I would love to see uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. He finally get some love for Phantom Thread. But I know that film, you know, based on uh, uh, reviews and uh, you know, and of course, you know the um, the film critic that we all aspire to be Jennifer Lawrence. You know, it's very highly divisive if you all haven't heard. Uh, she basically made it through three minutes of that movie and just said, no, you know, I'm not <laughs> next. But I thought I would love for that, you know, uh, it, but I wouldn't want it to be a career achievement. Or I would want him to actually win, you know, on the merits of uh, his work and, you know, and what, you know, whatever particular film it would happen to me, this one, obviously, or, or you know, some future film. But, um, yeah, Guillermo, he, he, he's got it. He's got it in the bag, you know, just from you know, a, a standpoint of, you know, storytelling and, and vision, you know, it, it's, you know, Dunkert obviously comes close with uh, Christopher Nolan in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the same sort of uh, impact in terms of uh, this person being an auteur, but uh, Guillermo del Toro, the, 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 the wind is definitely behind behind him, and I think it's going to propel him across the finish line, and, diver- you know, and des- deservedly so. He's a previous Oscar winner. He won for um, Best Foreign Language Film uh, for uh, Pan's Labyrinth, and and I, I, you know, a lot of people felt that he should have been in the running for uh, his direction of that film, and and I do believe that uh, he's going to uh, make it across the finish line with Shape of Water, which, you know, just in terms of visuals alone, you know, forget forget performance, forget storytelling, 
I forget. I just like visually, you can watch that movie with the sound off, and you will know exactly what's going on, and you will be blown away by how gorgeous it is. And that takes a true alter to pull off because if you get somebody who's just a for hire director, somebody who wasn't invested in that story like he was, it, it would not have been the same film. So. For you know, for that and and various other reasons, uh, Guillermo uh, del Toro for The Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. You know, interestingly enough, um, you know, I was talking a little bit about to Jeff about this. The only one of the movies that I've seen that's out of this you know list um, is The Shape of Water. But mm-hmm. in my my top two of my top five movies of all time are The Shape of Water and Pan's Labyrinth. Wow, interesting. So, yeah, fun. I mean, is he? His, yeah, so clearly I'm a fan. Clearly, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope he wins. Mm-hmm. All right, let's just move down this list. You guys are fantastic. All right, oh, Jeff, so we're going to go now with the Best Actor nominee. Who would you like to see win and why? I guess she kind of broke it up into two questions. Who would you like to see win and who do you predict it as the winner? Sorry. Um <laughs> Gary Oldman richly deserves the Academy Award for Best Actor for his intense, accurate, and astonishing performance as Winston Churchill. If he wins it, it will be a surprise to the actor himself, who has a notorious love-hate relationship with award shows, unless it's the Academy Awards. He was outright shocked to win the Golden Globe for Best Actor this year. Uh, now, there's several articles that Wikipedia links to that says that Oldman uh, never thought the Golden Globes were a serious awards show and only meant to score publicity for Hollywood uh, uh, Foreign Press Association and NBC, which presented the show. Um, so he believes that um, he was also blacklisted um, by the industry when he made a film called mm-hmm. The Contender, um, which he um, derided after the studio edited it to pieces and make, made it about... Uh, a political view that he didn't uh, uh, feel he made the film about. So it's uh, it's quite interesting, and he was also typecast uh, early in his career as a as a tough guy, um, twisted villain, that kind of thing. So um, he's brilliant here as, as Churchill, and it will be absolutely uh, wonderful to see him uh, win this. All right, Mac, what about you? Yeah, this category, talk about uh, a category filled with uh, titans. And by titans, I'm, I'm speaking specifically of Gary Oldman, uh, Gary Oldman, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Denzel Washington. I mean, like, that, it's an embarrassment right. of riches. And then you add Timothy Chalamet and that extraordinary performance he gave in Call Me By Your Name, and Daniel Kaluuya, who's also a uh, actor to watch, uh, giving a, a great uh, leading performance in Get Out. It, it truly, like, in any, any given year, if any of these performances were nominated, you would think it would be like it's a cakewalk. Like, of course they're going to win, any one of them. Mm-hmm. But um, me, I have to concur with uh, my colleague Jeff. I think I think this is Gary Oldman's to uh, not only uh, win, but it's it's so richly deserved. Um, and the great thing about this particular performance of his is uh, there have been a number of uh, projects recently that featured um, the, the the role that he plays, uh, which is uh, um, Churchill. And, you know, probably the the one that really stood out the most out of uh, all of them, uh, with, uh, you know, with the exception of this one, obviously, would be uh, John Lithgow's Emmy-winning turn as um, as Churchill in The Crown, uh, this Netflix uh, series that if you have not seen, I highly recommend you all check out. Even if you're not into, um, you know, talking head uh, British dramas, it's definitely worth checking out because he was extraordinary in that first season. Um, but yeah, Gary Oldman, he's done a lot of great work for uh, de- decades now, dating back, you know, to uh, I believe the late 70s, early 80s, if I'm not mistaken. I remember 
the um, performance that I think really took everybody by surprise with him was in Sid and Nancy. And I had the uh, honor of getting a chance to finally see that movie when I was in our college. And it was extraordinary what what he what he did in that that particular role in that in that particular film and and you know he's definitely one of those actors that brings his A game to everything you know that you can't say that about everybody he's never been bad mm-hmm. in anything even if the movie was bad he was great and when you give him a role such as this in a movie so expertly crafted like Darkest Hour um, you know it's, it's pretty much a slam dunk. And um, I think I think uh, like, like I said uh, previously, the wind's definitely behind him, and and I think he's gonna sail across the finish line. So I believe he, you know, um, will win. Now the person I would personally choose if I was in the Academy and voting, uh, I, the the performance that Timothy Chalamet gave in Call Me by Your Name, it was you know, that that heralded a uh, uh, a new a new uh, you know actor to to just admire and and take note of and to follow from you know here until. Until the you know uh, the end of their career, whenever that is, and hopefully he's going to be around for quite a long time. And I think that um, if Oldman had been previously honored for you know work he's done in the past, I think this would be Timothy Chalamet's uh, you know without question. But I, I do believe that ultimately uh, Gary Oldman does deserve to win and will win. But yeah, if I was voting, it would be hard. It would be very hard to um, not vote for Timothy Chalamet. That 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 performance in FM was uh, revelatory, in in every sense, and and uh, it, second, it certainly welcomes and and heralds a uh, a striking uh, new talent that uh, people need to keep you know need to keep watch on and need need to um, uh, pay attention to and need to uh, follow what he does from here on out because I'm excited to see what what he, what else he has in him. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Okay, so see, we agree. Are you guys both agree on that one too? All right, then. You're so smart. <laughs> so, seriously. Okay. <laughs> All right, so the next category is, okay, this is for Jeff, which Best Supporting right. Actor nominee would you like to see win and why? My Best Supporting Actor um, nominee is uh, Sam Rockwell. I want to see him win, and I know that he's going to. He's my pick. Um, Sam Rockwell has been a favorite in the category since winning the Golden Globe, a Screen Actors Guild Award, a Critics' Choice Award, the Hollywood Film Award, and the Spotlight Award from the Palm Springs International Film Festival uh, for the same role. That's in addition to numerous nominations uh, for awards with results that are still pending. His character here is a racist, homophobic, lazy, and he's a real slimeball who also happens to be a dirty cop. He has been a screw-up all his life, and his life is controlled by his unpleasant and overpowering mother. He really draws you in here, and I found myself, having watched the film multiple times, asking the same question each single time. Is there anything remotely redeeming about this guy? Rockwell recently stated to Gold Derby that I think he has a lot of rage, a lot of anger in him, and it's really more about self-hatred, and I think that gets directed outward towards other people. I think what interested me the most about the performance in this character in general is how he idolizes Woody Harrelson's uh, Sheriff Willoughby character and wants to protect his image and how he views the billboards and McDormand as a threat. While he or- idolizes Cher- uh, uh, Chief uh, Willoughby, emulating him is another matter entirely. I don't want to give anything away here, but there's a pivotal scene with Caleb Landry Jones's character and his, and that uh, is the reason why I go to the movies. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's wow. great. I have to see the movie. <laughs> okay. 
Oh yeah, you definitely right, need Max. to see it. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, I, I concur. You know, we're pretty much you know, you know I'm, I'm pretty much on the same page. I think uh, Sam Rockwell not only deserves to win, will win. Um, you know, as 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 much as I would love to see uh, Willem Dafoe finally take one home for uh, you know his work in the Florida Project. Yeah, it, the the momentum's behind Sam Rockwell, and rightfully so. Uh, Jeff brilliantly just <clears throat> you know uh, ran down uh, the reasons why. He's been around, both of them, you know, obviously both are uh, long-term uh, uh, veterans at this point. They've been around for a while. But uh, Sam Rockwell, he's in the right film, the right role, and it's his moment. It's as, it's as simple mm-hmm. as that. It's, yeah, and and um, all of these actors are great, each, each and every last one of them. Like, you know, Christopher Plummer, obviously, legend. Richard Jenkins has been um, a uh, character actor for uh, decades now and has always been consistently good, no matter, no matter uh, the quality of the film itself. And uh, Woody Harrelson, you know, he came out of nowhere. We remember him as Woody on, uh, mm-hmm. on Cheers, and look at the career he's had since. Larry Flint and 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 um, the Messengers and and White Man Can't Jump, you know, a favorite of mine, and on and on and on and on. He's just you know been consistently but very shrewdly building quite quite a uh, impressive resume for the past what, thirty years now. And uh, Rockwell again, you know, um, similar story where he started out in in um, you know, uh, kind of throwaway parts, but he's always um, left his mark. And in this instance, he himself has gone on record as saying, "I'm so thrilled to finally be a part of something that people are actually going to see." And he's, you know, given given uh, <laughs> props to uh, Martin McDonough for facilitating that, and and for uh, Francis McDormand and Woody Harrelson really welcoming him into the fold, and and you know, um, uh, letting him and you know just setting him up in such a way where he could just you know let it rip in. And 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 knock it out of the park. So yes, yeah, Sam Rockwell, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. He he deserves it, and he and he's going to get it. That's so great. I feel like the underlying um, current for the 90th annual Academy Awards are that everybody is great. Like the nominees are are deserving. That's what mm-hmm. it feels like. You guys are saying that they're deserving. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. you know there might be some controversy, but I feel like that like you're happy with most of the nominations. Is that safe to say? Oh, yeah, yeah. Normally there are years where it's a head scratcher. Like, wait a minute, how did this person or how did this film right. get nominated? Or there are instances where people were so brilliant and they weren't nominated. We're like, wait a minute, how did they get left off? But in this mm-hmm. instance, I can't really argue that anybody's here who shouldn't be here, or any films here that shouldn't be here, or there's a movie that should be on the list that isn't. So yeah, it's a, it's like, well, That's who would good. you swap out? <laughs> you know, right. these people who who would you get rid of to make room for? The other person, you know, you can obviously, yeah, you could always make an argument, you know, that you'll find somebody like, well, you know, so-and-so, they should have been nominated instead of this. Well, okay, but in, in the grand scheme of things, this is pretty, this is a pretty solid list, as solid as you, you know, likely see. You feel that way, Jeff? You feel, you feel confident and happy about who's been nominated? Uh, yes, I do. I'm very happy with the, with the nominees uh, this year. I feel that the right people got uh, nominated for the right films and for the right reason. All right, so we're going to switch to actresses now. Yay, my favorite. No, I'm just kidding. I like them all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, Jeff, which Best Actress nominee would you like to see win and why, please? The Best Actress nominee? Um, <laughs> Frances uh, McDormand, and it's uh, difficult to forget and not that anyone would ever want to. Frances McDormand's portrayal as Mildred Hayes in Free Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. 
Now, Hayes is a grieving mother whose teenage daughter, Angela, was brutally raped and murdered several months before the story actually takes place. So during that time, there haven't been any suspects or leads, and it appears to her that the uh, small-town police department led by Chief Willoughby, portrayed by Woody Harrelson, excels at only two things, outright racism towards African-Americans and scruffing down Krispy Kreme donuts. So she decides to publicly shame him and his department for not finding her daughter's killer by asking him free pro- provocative questions on trio billboards on the outskirts of town. Now, what solidifies my pick is a flash back scene in the film where we see Angela portrayed by Catherine Newton and her brother portrayed by Lucas Hedges in the kitchen of Mildred's home where mother and daughter are cussing each other out over McDormand's refusal to lend her the car on the evening of the murder. In it, the teen flippantly said that she hopes she gets raped and murdered while Mildred says, I hope so too, never knowing the ramification of what those words would be. So it's the guilt there that we see throughout the picture and determination that drives uh, Francis' character and portrayal that really stand out here. In fact, director Martin McDonough told The Independent that he didn't know anyone else who could have played Mildred. After he sent the script to uh, Francis McDormand, he was constantly thinking, if she says no, we're screwed because who else is there? There's absolutely no one else to play that part. And I agree wholeheartedly with uh, with the director on that one. Wow, she is an amazing actress. She is in everything she's ever done. Okay, Mac, what about your choice? Uh, you know, um, just to kind of echo uh, some of the uh, things that uh, Jeff was saying, uh, with, with Frances, when I think of her, I think of just the consummate actor. You know, forget, forget gender, forget age, she's a consummate oh, okay. actor, you know, and she's been like that from, from day one. You know, there hasn't been one thing that she has done that I've ever seen that I have not been impressed by in some way, shape, or form. And in this particular uh, film, much like in Fargo and in Almost Famous and, and Wonder Boys and, and, and you know, there are a few other ones that are you know not uh, immediately coming to mind, but those particular films stand out. She brings such an authenticity to everything that she does. You know, there's never you don't see you don't see the gears going. You know, you don't see mm-hmm. her acting. She's just she just so inhabits the characters that she uh, plays, regardless of the genre, regardless of the size of the role, regardless of you know whether she's a likable character in a in a particular project or or an unlikable character. That um, it's pretty it's pretty extraordinary to see to see what she is able to bring to all of these uh, all these different women that she's played over the years. That said, um, this this is kind of like a perfect counterpoint to to the character, the rather noble character that she played in, in Fargo, to such a winning effect uh, twenty twenty uh, uh, twenty one years ago now, and the fact that it looks like she will be one of the few actors. Uh, actresses rather to win uh, the Academy Award for leading actress uh, in her 50s. It's you know that that in and of itself is pretty you know monumentous because normally mm-hmm. when women get to that uh, particular age bracket, you know it's it's pretty much like yeah, you, it's the chances of you winning Best Actress are slim. You know there have been some who have done it, but very few have. And then the fact that she looks like she's on target to join that company, and and that company also includes her. Uh, her uh, nominee, her one of her nominees here, Meryl Streep, who won um, a few years ago for her work uh, in the Iron Lady, passed the age of 50. You know that that uh, is just another feather in, in in the cap of a pretty extraordinary career, and hopefully, 
Um, it, you know, it'll um, continue to be uh, extraordinary for years to come. And and Francis, she that performance that she gives in in three billboards <laughs> outside Ebbing, Missouri, it, it, it I couldn't help but think of uh, John Wayne, and that was her inspiration. And I did not know this before I saw the film. I found this out after the fact. She she uh, based her character uh, largely on John Wayne. You, you see it in her her cadence. You see it in her delivery. You see it. Uh, it it's just it's just one of these all all immersive. Uh, sort of uh, uh, performances that when I was looking at the movie, I was not seeing Frances McDormand. I was seeing Mildred Hayes, you know, and and it was it was a glorious thing to watch her, you know, her body language, her her uh, physicality, all of it. It just you know was it was it was pretty breathtaking. And and her lying, you know, her delivery of the different lines, and it's a it's a dialogue heavy film, and you know, dialogue heavy films are tricky to navigate, even for the best of them. And she she just took Martin Madonna's words and 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 turned them into vulgar poetry, and I was there for every minute of it. So Francis, she yeah, Francis, uh, I would I would vote for, her and she and she deserves it. So. Well, I haven't seen the movie, okay, and so you are convincing me that I have to see the movie no matter what because <laughs> yeah. I I love the way you're describing it. So yes, I have to. I love her too. So yeah, for sure, I'll have to see that movie. Look, another consensus. So awesome. <laughs> Only if AJ was on here, Mac, there might be some arguing, but you two are. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure, yeah, that, yeah. He would, he would definitely have some different opinions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he would. Oh, that's funny. All right, well, we just have one more category to talk about, which is supporting actress. So, Jeff, can you tell us your pick for that and why? Allison uh, Jenny for I, Tanya deserves the uh, Best Supporting Actress Award. Now, this is a, um, a role where she's playing the mother of uh, disgraced figure skater uh, Tanya Harding, and uh, she was very abusive towards her, her daughter, uh, both physically and, and mentally, and she thrust uh, her daughter into figure skating when she was uh, only four years, four years old. Now, the thing about... Uh, uh, Tanya Harding's mother is that we don't really have any real video except one clip of her giving an, uh, an interview about what she thought about the, the Kerrigan incident and, um, during uh, all of uh, Tanya Harding's career, and nobody can actually track her down or has any idea where she lives or anything like that. So Jenny had to um, use uh, her, I guess, a fictional sense of what she thought um, Tanya Harding's mother would be like as well as the the uh, information that Tanya Harding and other others were giving her about uh, Tanya Harding's mo- mother to create the uh, the character who's uh, loud and crass and abusive and uh, and uh, it's just the perception of the character that um, a warped perception as it may be that her abuse uh, heaped upon her daughter may be justified and what actually propelled the this, this skater to great uh, heights so I I think it was um, a great performance, and uh, Jenny said in an interview recently, even though um, Tanya Harding's mother was a monster, I felt that I hooked into her sadness. I hooked into feeling like she had a bad childhood herself, and I think that the director and the script writer knew that I would give her heart, and that she definitely did. I did see that movie, and I actually agree with you that that she stole the show, I think she did, from everybody in the whole movie. She was amazing. Amazing. Okay, Mac Bates, you're next. 
All right. Um, I just uh, give a, a little backstory on uh, her role in uh, I, Tanya. Her friend, Stephen Rogers, actually wrote the script with her in mind. He wrote the character uh, w- with her in mind oh. to uh, assume it. And um, during during a production, she actually only worked on the movie for eight days. She was actually wrapping up uh, the season that she was uh, working on uh, on the CBS uh, sitcom Mom that she uh, stars in alongside Anna Faris. And she was also pre- preparing to uh, assume the role of Weezer in a revival of uh, Six Degrees of Separation on Broadway. And so she was able to fit all of that. You know the the movie in between those two those two gigs wrapping up the uh, that the whatever season of Mom that was I'm assuming it was the fourth or probably third or fourth season, and then uh, going off to do uh, Six Degrees of Separation and a revival on Broadway with John Benjamin Hickey and and you know the fact that she was able to juggle all of that you know obviously she's an actor so that's her job but for somebody who is not an actor it's is it's damn impressive and um, um, she actually has come out of. Uh, uh, the gates uh, as, around the time of the Golden Globes because a lot of the heat was uh, going for her um, fellow nominee, Lori Metcalf and Lady Bird. She was winning all the mm-hmm. precursors. You know, the um, the, uh, uh, the critics were overwhelmingly in uh, in favor of uh, Lori's performance in that film versus Allison. She, Allison was picking up, you know, uh, uh, some notices, but the overwhelming were going overwhelming number of them were going to Lori. Um, but back to Allison. Uh, the the performance, it's uh, the Academy obviously has a penchant for um, extreme mothers, to say the least. <laughs> if you go back uh, throughout the uh, history of the Academy, it seems like the more extreme you are, the more likely it is you'll be nominated, and and the more likely it is that you will uh, win. Uh, you know, some some that instantly come to mind in terms of winners are um, um, Melissa Leo and uh, the Fighter. She instantly comes to mind. And some previous nominees like Anne, Margaret, and Tommy, probably the most extreme of them all, um, uh, Jackie Weaver and Animal Kingdom. But then she also, in an interesting twist, was nominated for, nominated for playing a uh, ideal mom uh, in Silver Linings Playbook. So, it, it, it but it seems like the more extreme uh, uh, takes on motherhood uh, tend to tend to take the uh, crown. Uh, Monique and Precious, obviously, you know, comes to oh, mind yeah. in that regard. Um, as much as I liked Allison Janney in the film, and if you've seen footage of the real Lavana, she nailed that woman, even though she never actually got a chance to meet her in person. She, like Jeff was saying, she based her based her uh, take on that character on that one video clip. I'm assuming, mm-hmm. where she she's you know being interviewed with a, a bird perched on, <laughs> on her shoulder, <laughs> uh, which they brilliantly recreate in the film actually, and. Um, um, that was, you know, and just imagination and, and all the, you know, tools and, 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 and technique that she's developed over the years as a, uh, a consummate actor. And so uh, she, she more than likely is going to win because the momentum has clearly, uh, you know, swung in her favor. She's got the Golden Globe. She won the Screen Actors Guild Award, which is a pretty good indicator. Mm-hmm. More often than not, if you win at SAG, you pretty much go on to repeat at the um, Academy Awards. It's a, it's a better precursor than um, the Golden Globes even. They have a, uh, a more even uh, record in terms of um, a wins at SAG that repeat at the Oscars. She won the uh, British Academy Award uh, a few weeks ago. So definitely the the wind is behind her. And I think the Academy wants to honor I, Tonya, and I really don't see them giving it to Margot Robbie for lead actress. I think her time is going to come at some later point. As great as she was in that movie, I, I can certainly concur with you. Uh, Allison stole the film. You know, and and, and, mm-hmm. and and it was almost criminal how she walked off with that movie, actually. And um, I agree. 
<laughs> yeah, it was almost criminal in that sense. And, you know, she certainly would be deserving. She's been an industry veteran for a long time. She's, you know, um, been in television and, and, and film and, and theater. She's a triple threat in that respect, so she's well-respected. And, and I think, you know, this is her time. But in in my own personal opinion, I like um, uh, Lori Metcalf's work in uh, Lady Bird. Um, I, that's that's who I would personally vote for. Mm-hmm. I could see Allison certainly uh, taking it, and she you know would deserve to win. But for me, my 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 uh, my vote would go to Lori Metcalf because what she did in that movie was so specific, it was so intricate, it was so personal, it was so real that I think a lot of the reason why um, she's kind of you know um, um, you know f- fallen out of favor a little bit is I think some people look at that particular film and that particular performance, and it reminds them too much of their own mother. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. the relationship they have with mm-hmm. their own mother, particularly women. You know, it's complicated, it's mm-hmm. messy. You know, you hate each other one minute, you love each other the next. You know, somebody else can talk um, uh, trash about uh, your loved one, and you're going to just rip them to shreds. But if you talk trash about them, you know, uh, just <laughs> you keep your opinion to yourself. If somebody else tries to interject, that sort of thing. And that, that, the, the, the chemistry, the, um, the connection between her and uh, Saoirse Ronan, who plays, plays the title character in that film, um, as somebody who has a mother, even though I'm, you know, clearly male, I'm not, not female, even I could see that because my, that's the sort of relationship that my sister, Kim, and my mom have had at times. It's like, you know, they love each other fiercely, but then they also can, you know, tap, you know, push each, other, push each other's buttons until they just want to rip each other's head, you know, head off. But then there's always, it's always grounded in, in, in this, uh, you know, unbreakable bond, this undying love and devotion that, you know, is mutual. And, and I just, mm-hmm. I thought it was a beautiful representation of that, you know, complicated, messy, but at the end of the day, loving and committed and 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 everlasting connection that you have you know between but uh, that a, a daughter has with a mother and a mother has with a daughter and yeah and i just i just yeah i would love for Lori to win it but i do i do see uh, allison ultimately taking it but if i had to choose you know the the the, the wicked mother versus the the flawed yet loving mother i, I would have to go <laughs> with the flawed but loving mother and uh and vote for Lori mancalf but i sincerely do think that allison is ultimately going to take it and and you know and she deserves it, but uh, yeah, for me, I just I would love to see Lori take it. And I yeah. think that Lori Metcalf is probably one of the most underrated actresses. Uh, again, like Allison, is a triple threat. She's conquered television. She's she's worked in film to a degree, yeah. and I sincerely hope that she gets more opportunity in film and you know stage. She's probably one of the greatest American stage actresses working today. So. Mm-hmm. That's my take well, on it. Well, you know what? We're out of time, you guys. We're out of time, and I cannot even believe it because I was so worried that we wouldn't have enough to talk about since I don't know the movies as well as you do, but you guys did so great. I cannot oh. thank you enough. So, no, Jack, where can you. we find you online? Where can we find you online to read your reviews? Um, you can go on to yes. rottentomatoes.com, type in my name in the uh, search window, and all my reviews will pop up that have uh, appeared on um, okay. Real Talk over the years. And just for you your also find our listeners, it's G E O F F, Jeff Roberts. Right. G E O F F. Yeah, British spelling of Jeff. <laughs> That's nice. It's just short for Jeffrey, right? Right. Jeffrey. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Mac? Where can we find you online? Oh, well, yeah, I'm also at uh, Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of the stuff I wrote for uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel is listed there. 
Um, some of the links might not uh, work, but uh, hopefully uh, mo- most of them do. I'm assuming. I haven't been there in a while, so yeah, I haven't I haven't uh, uh, Google myself in that regard. But hopefully they're still there. <laughs> and you can also go you can also go to MilwaukeeMag.com and you can search for Max Bates M A C K B A T E S and you'll see um, things that I've written for them uh, over the past uh, seven years now. That's great. All right, well, thank you guys so much for keeping me company, and we wish Betty Jo the best. I'm not sure when we'll have another show, but we will let you know. And um, I can't thank you guys again um, so much. So the 90th Annual Academy Awards will be on Sunday, March 4th, 2018, and Jimmy Kimmel is going to be hosting them. So tune in, you guys, and see if these fantastic critics picked the right choices. I have a feeling that you did. Like if if I was the person that bet, I would bet on all your choices, just so you know. <laughs> all right. I would. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. And, well, thank uh, you. Yeah, we'll see you later. Thank you. Yeah.